You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, good morning. Welcome. Welcome to everyone who is joining us online. We are so glad that you are here with us today. And I thought I'd start by telling you a little bit about me. I am a dog person. Anyone else love dogs? All right. So... I brought a picture today of my dog. Her name is Sadie, and she is an 11-year-old golden retriever, and she's just the best. Like, she is the best. For any of you that have a dog, and you're like, my dog is the best dog in the world, I'm here today to tell you, you are wrong, okay? That is the best dog. We absolutely love her. She is the heart of our family. My goodness, I love my Sadie girl. But she is not the only dog that I've ever had. I had a dog growing up. His name was Casey, or actually it was Cuddly Casey Bear. He had a full name. Thank you very much. And he was an old English sheepdog, and he was my best friend. But I also did have human friends, okay? Please know that. I did have human friends. But he was my best friend, and that just is the snow in my front yard. I grew up in Manitoba, Canada. That was just normal life there. And then, after my husband and I got married a few years later, we got a dog together for the first time, and her name was Asia. And she was a stray that we adopted. She was cute, cuddly. She was really curious and playful, and she kind of had a wild side, and that kind of got her into trouble. Now, I loved Asia. Like, she was my dog. My husband, Ryan, he just tolerated her. Like, Asia was my dog, and I loved her. And I will never forget the day that I went to go let her back inside the house, and she wasn't there. We had a fenced-in yard, and I'm kind of looking around. I'm like, Asia? Where? No, there's no dog. And I started to get a little like, where could she be? I mean, she should be in the yard. And then I discovered she had dug her way out under the fence. So then I like raced to the back alley. I'm looking all over. Asia? Asia? And there was no sign of her. So I bolted back into the house, kind of a little panicked at this point. I'm like, Ryan, oh my goodness, the dog's missing. We have to go find her. So Ryan and then our friends who were just over visiting all went out into the neighborhood and we just start running all over the neighborhood. We're like, Asia! Asia! We're running up and down the streets and I'm getting a little bit more stressed because we can't find the dog and still nothing. Up and down, up and down. I mean, this went on for hours and I at this point was just, I mean, I was heartbroken. I'm like tears and I'm going, Asia, Asia, right? Like as we, farther we go and I'm just, I can't take it. And then finally Ryan, my husband goes, we have to call it. Like we have to go back home. I mean, our friends have to go back home. And I'm like, okay. I'm like walking back to the house. I mean, I am a mess. Like we're talking heartbroken. The tears are snot everywhere. Okay, okay, okay. And then... All of a sudden, far off in the distance, there was this black blur, and it's bouncing towards me, and I knew. I mean, my heart just leaped out of my chest, and I just bolted. I was like, Asia! And sure enough, it was Asia, and I clobbered her, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And all those happy tears are now tears of joy, and I'm like, never leave me again! I thought I lost you, and she's just like, and I'm like, oh my gosh! This is the best time ever, and my husband's going... Great. <laughs> but those few hours that she was lost, oh, man, they just wrecked me. Because when we 
we lose something that's important or value, it is just awful. Like, it's the worst. I mean, maybe you've lost a pet or your wallet or your keys. In our house, one that gets a little tension is when we lose AirPods. Those things are a little tiny. They get misplaced all the time. Or worse yet, your phone. Has anyone lost their phone? Oh, man. We've had times of, like, Things are on airplanes, and we're not on the airplane. I mean, we have lost phones. And there's actually a study done that discovered that losing your phone, the stress increases by 20% over other things that you would lose. Like, we go through this whole emotional journey when we lose something that's important to us. You know, you're a little like, oh, I'm freaked out. Okay, we got this. And then then you get frustrated. And then there's the anger. And then you're followed by the panic. And then you're desperate. And you're like, oh, my gosh, we're never going to find this. And then you're hopeless. But then, that moment when you find what was once lost. Oh, yeah! I found it! I found it! You're like, this is the best thing ever! I mean, that is exactly how it was with my dog. I was like, neighborhood, celebrate with me! My dog has been found because when you find what was lost, there's nothing like it. It is a celebration. But here's the thing. We all will have experiences of loss. And loss that goes beyond just losing your phone or your wallet. Because there will be times when we feel lost. And maybe it's because we feel like we just lost our sense of direction in life. And so... We're now questioning our our motives, our past, our present, our our true happiness. Or it's because we just feel alone. We've lost touch or connection with others. We feel as if we've lost control over certain aspects of our lives. Maybe it was because of failure, a mistake. Or sometimes we have this sense of loss because of pain or suffering in our lives. There are actually many reasons why we might feel lost. And today, in week three of our series scene, we're going to be leaning into a story that Jesus told about someone who lost something of value. A lost sheep. A story that reveals to us God's heart and his desire to find what is lost, and his desire for us to draw near to him. So will you join me as we just take a moment to pray and to ask God to speak to our hearts today. Jesus, I just thank you so much just for this opportunity that we have to be here together today. And I pray for each one of us, whether we are in the room or we are watching online, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would hear from you today and experience the love that you have for us, with greater clarity in our life, that we would know that you are a God who loves us so much, that you value us, and that you would do anything for us to draw near to you. We ask you these things in your name. Amen. Well, here at Kensington, we are passionate about people experiencing the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. Because we believe that when you experience his love, it really does bring transformation into your life. 
And it happens in many different ways, but one of the ways that we are able to do that together is actually through our giving. And so at this time of the service, we are going to receive our offering. There are different ways that you can give at Kensington. You can give as they pass the pouches down through the rows or on the screen there. You can see the different ways to give electronically. And really, we just invite you to jump in and be a part of this with us. Be a part of other people experiencing the love of Jesus. And it's because of your giving that we are able to do that. Whether it's things that are happening here at our campus, through different ministries, our K-Kids, or how Danielle was sharing about all these different group opportunities in these courses like Alpha and Bible Basics. It also makes it a way for us to move out into our communities where we get to meet practical needs, like things that happen here on Thursday mornings through Forgotten Harvest at Clinton Township. It's also how we are able to continue our partnerships with indigenous leaders all around the world. Partnerships where we get to, like coming on, on Friday night, have our Hope Water Project Gala, where we get to be a part of bringing clean water to our friends, the Poka in Western Kenya. And it's not just that we get to give them clean water to bring them wells, but clean water changes lives. Because when they have clean water, communities are built, there's stability, education and schools come in, and faith communities are built because of clean water. And we all get to be a part of that. So thank you so much for your giving and for being on mission with us. So today we are looking at a story that is found in the beginning of Luke chapter 15. And here, the author Luke opens this chapter up with really a contrast of two groups of people. We read this in verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the two groups of people that we have are the religious leaders, who were the Pharisees, and they were the teachers of the law. And then we have the tax collectors and the sinners, who were the outcasts. Now, the religious leaders, they saw themselves as righteous. They thought that they were favored by God. And so they saw then that the tax collectors and the sinners were basically, they were the opposite. They deemed them as unclean. And the religious leaders did not like that the unclean were trying to draw near to Jesus, and they did not like that Jesus accepted them and welcomed them. So Jesus tells them this story in response to their complaints, a story to the religious leaders while in the presence of those they were actually complaining about. It's a story to challenge the religious leaders who were upset about who was being welcomed. It's also a story for those who were trying to draw near to Jesus. We continue to read, and it says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? I love how Jesus starts the story by saying, suppose one of you. So in this crowd with two distinct groups of people, this immediately made the story personal to everyone who was listening. Whether they were a religious leader or the unclean. It gave everyone a personal interest in what was of value to the one who had suffered a loss. Now, I don't know about you, but let's just say in a group of about 100 sheep, I have a picture here, um, if one, two, 
I mean, I don't know if there is for sure 100, but we'll say there is. If five, maybe even if 10 sheep were missing, I don't think I would notice. I mean, could you? Obviously, I would not make a very good shepherd. I would not be able to tell. But it did kind of remind me of when I was a lifeguard. As a lifeguard, I was taught to make sure the swimmers were safe. And so part of that was scanning the pool and constantly counting how many swimmers were in the pool at one time. Like, I couldn't just look over to an area and go, 15, I don't know, maybe 35. Like, that could have actually ended very poorly for someone. And my job, probably. It was my responsibility to take care of those swimmers by constantly counting and knowing how many there were. Well, in a very similar way, a shepherd was responsible for the health, the safety, the well-being of the sheep, which included keeping track of the sheep. But sheep, sometimes, they get separated from the flock. Did you know that sheep actually can't walk straight? So sheep have rectangular pupils, which I have a picture here. I think this is so unique. Because it's rectangular, it gives them this amazing peripheral vision. They can basically see 360 degrees. But they can't see what's right in front of their face. So this creates an inability to actually walk straight, which means they easily get lost or disoriented. Sheep will also wander off if they've been hurt if they're sick, if they're dying, or if they've been startled, or they perceive harm or danger, because they are an animal that is actually defenseless against their prey. Sheep wander. They get lost. But even knowing that, imagine what this must have been like for this shepherd. He's there, and he realizes that he is missing a sheep. I wondered, like, did he recount? Is he like, okay, 5, 10, 35, 53, 78, 86, 98, 99? Huh. So he probably did a quick scan of the area thinking, well, maybe it's just behind that bush or it's through that tall grass or, oh, I'm sure it was just straggling behind. But then realizing that it's still not there, he begins to walk away from his flock. So he can go out and continue to search to find the sheep. But then, still not seeing it, he now decides to leave the 99. Becoming more desperate, trying to find this, trying to think, man, when was the last time I saw that sheep? I mean, I, I'm sure I had 100 when we were at the stream, and then we went over the, the rolling hill. And then the farther he goes, and the longer he is gone, the more desperate he becomes feeling utterly helpless, distraught, fearful for his sheep. The sheep now who is all alone and vulnerable. Luke is giving us this picture of really how deeply this shepherd loves and cares for his sheep. It's a picture of the goodness of the shepherd. It's a picture of our good shepherd. All throughout scripture, God is identified as our shepherd. 
A shepherd who is with us, who walks alongside us with goodness and mercy, who guides us, who protects us. A shepherd who loves us, who cares for us. And in much the same way that this shepherd left the 99 and went searching for that one lost sheep, we have a God who pursues us. Out of love, care, and concern, Jesus pursues the lost. But I think it's important to understand that the term lost is not meant to be derogatory or judgmental. See, Jesus desires that every one of us, everyone, would draw near to him and experience his transformational love. Being lost is when we are far from God. Sometimes that's because we've never known or experienced the love of Jesus in a personal way in our life. But even those of us who would be, quote-unquote, found, can also still be lost. Maybe it's because you've been independent, self-seeking, thinking, oh, I can do life without a shepherd or be a part of a flock. I don't need any of that. You've been trying to do life on your own, but all it's left you feeling is dissatisfied, alone, disappointed. Sometimes we feel lost because we always have felt like we're just on the outside, that we've never really fit in. And so there is this desire to be found, to find belonging and love. But more often than not, we feel invisible even to those who are closest to us. And we've wondered, does anyone, including God, really see me? Or maybe we've wandered off because of pain, hurt, suffering. Or we've pulled away from God because we've been just overwhelmed with doubts and questions and concerns that have left us just feeling disoriented, misplaced. A few years back, both my husband and I, we resigned from our jobs. We worked at the same place at the same time because of some very unhealthy and painful situations. And I felt incredibly lost. Deciding to step away created a physical distance between us and everything that we had been a part of, and even the people that we had been closest to. But it was that emotional distance that became overwhelming. The pain just left me feeling so numb, lost, all alone. And I doubted that anyone even cared. And my guess is that many of us have also felt lost at times. And that maybe some of us even feel lost right now. And the heartache, the desperation, the isolation, it creates questions and longings and wonderings. Does anyone care? Does anyone even notice that I'm lost? 
is there someone who will come looking for me? be found no matter how lost or alone you feel you will be found the very next verse says and when he finds it the lost is found the shepherd leaves the 99 he goes out searching pursuing seeking this one lost sheep and he finds it you will be found I love the lyrics from the song Reckless Love because it gives us this incredible visual of the pursuit of God to find us. It says there's no mountain you won't climb up, no shadow you won't lie on up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me coming after you. This is who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter what has happened in your life. It doesn't matter how alone or broken you feel. It doesn't matter how far away you feel. You will be found. The shepherd finds the lost sheep. But he doesn't just find it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. See, the shepherd doesn't forcefully grab that sheep 
in anger or frustration. He doesn't rebuke it. He doesn't humiliate. He doesn't punish it. He doesn't say, hey, you better be a good sheep now. Don't you wander off again. No. He bends down and he gently scoops up the sheep and then he places it on his shoulders. And then he takes it home. Did you notice that he doesn't take it back to the 99? He takes it home to safety. See, home is significant because it is the place where we can experience belonging, comfort, confidence, security, and stability. And in the same way, Jesus, our good shepherd, says, I am pursuing you, and when I find you, I will hold you, I will scoop you up, and I will take you back home to safety. Jesus ends this parable by saying, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The restoration of what was of value created this joy that the shepherd could not contain. Like he had to call others over to the celebration. I mean, I just picture it, him walking into this village, carrying the sheep, saying, I found it! I found it! Come celebrate me! The lost has been found! And see, God is passionately pursuing the lost. He's passionately pursuing each one of us to draw us near to him. And then he celebrates restoration. He celebrates. Now, I don't think he plays the party rock anthem song like I did. I mean, he might. But he celebrates you. He celebrates you drawing near to him. And then his desire is that all of us would celebrate any time the lost are found. Jesus ends his parable by saying that there is more rejoicing, there's more celebration over one who is lost and returns to God than over the 99 who were righteous. Jesus wasn't saying that the, the, the righteous, the 99, had it all figured out, that they were perfect, and that they did not need to repent, and that there was only one who was lost and really messed up. He was actually saying that the 99, that the religious leaders, were also lost. Listen to what one theologian said about the religious leaders. He said, they thought themselves better Indeed, were exalting themselves not only over the publicans and sinners, but also over the Son of God. Such self-exaltation over Christ was a clear sign of their spiritual lostness. See, the religious leaders, they saw themselves as righteous. That they did not need to repent in their life. That was not it. But Jesus was telling them the story so they might see themselves as they truly are lost, a story inviting them in to repentance and to new life, a story to see God for who he truly is, a God who pursues 
every person. And it's a story for all of us. Because God desires for all of us to draw near to him. It's a story for us to see that we've all missed the mark. We've all messed up and that we have sin in our lives. It's a story with an invitation for us to choose repentance. To lay down our ways and to follow his way. To choose mercy over judgment. Inclusion over exclusion. Righteousness over injustice. Love over hate. It is an invitation for our lives to reflect the love of Jesus. Because when we do, we experience a full life, a life of peace and joy and restoration. John chapter 10 talks about this. It is commonly referred to as Jesus, our good shepherd. And those first few verses, John really is describing different aspects of Jesus as our shepherd and the significance of that. And then Jesus says this, as our good shepherd, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus, as our shepherd, desires for us to have an abundant life. In him, and he invites all of us, whether we are the 99 or the one, to encounter this life a life of transformation, of purpose, of love by drawing near to him. So, where do you find yourself in the story today? For some of us, we are the one. Maybe we've just felt far from God. We feel lost. It could be because we've really never known or experienced the love and the hope of Jesus personally in our lives. Or maybe it's because of we've withdrawn due to grief or pain or suffering. We've been wounded by the church. Or we've been navigating just some doubts and some questions that have just left us feeling lost. May the story of this shepherd searching for this one lost sheep reveal to you today the relentless love of a God who is pursuing you. I do think it's important, though, say that this idea of being found is not just a one-time thing. That it actually is a journey. After that season of just feeling so incredibly lost in my life, it really was a process to find healing. To find growth and really to learn from it. Over time, I have experienced restoration. And transformation. And a big part of that, which I think is so important for all of us, is to find community and to find a process for healing. 
And for any of us who are feeling lost today, know that you are not alone in your journey. And that here at Kensington, we have some resources really to help you in that. To have a place to find community and a process, and that is through our care ministry. And so I would highly encourage you to check that out. You can go to our website there. You can see it on the screen, kensingtonchurch.org care. Or you can stop out in the lobby as we will have some of our care team out there today. But check that out to discover more in the ways that you can find community and a process for healing. Now for any of us who would say we are the 99 or maybe we're, we've been found, the invitation for us today really is to reflect and repent. We might need to honestly ask ourselves, have I been living in a way that imitates the ways of Jesus? Or have I been more imitating the ways of the religious leaders? Ask yourself. I mean, am I living in a morally superior way? Have I allowed arrogance and self-righteousness to influence how I live? Am I judgmental to those who are lost? Have I been more offended by sin than moved by compassion? We are invited to draw near to Jesus today and to experience repentance and forgiveness. But also for any of us who would consider ourselves found, Jesus in is inviting us to not only just live in reflection of his love, but also to reach out to the lost. May we be compelled to notice who is missing. That we would see who needs Jesus. May we be aware of the hidden pain and suffering that others carry. May we reach out with understanding and compassion, meeting people where they are, which might mean we actually have to give up some of our personal comforts to do so. May we reach out with love and empathy, with a desire to share the transformational message of God's love, his hope, his grace, his salvation. And may we celebrate when the lost are found. Let's ask God to give us eyes to see who we could reach out to. What could that look like for you this week? Maybe it's sending someone a text or it's getting together for some coffee or just saying, hey, I'm available if you would like to talk. But who in your life could you reach out to? Jesus, our good shepherd, he desires for all of us, for everyone to draw near to him. Because when we do, we experience an abundant life where we encounter restoration and transformation in our lives because of his love. Because of his amazing, never-ending Will you join me as we take a moment to pray?
God, I just pray for each one of us, whether we are in the room today or we are watching online, that we would know with everything inside of who we are, your love. That we would have a greater understanding, a greater clarity and an experience of how much you love us. That you are willing to pursue us. That you will go to extreme lengths because you love us. And for any of us who are feeling lost today, God, I pray that we would experience what it is to be found. That we would know that there is someone who is looking for us. There is someone who sees us, and that is you, and that you have been pursuing us, and you are drawing us closer to you today. And for any of us who maybe have been living more like the religious leaders, I pray that our hearts would be in a posture of repentance, a posture to lay down our ways and to follow your way, Jesus, and to see others the way that you see them. And may we all be people who reach out, who are intentionally looking to see who might be missing, to see those who need the love of Jesus in their lives. That we would be people who live in the reflection of your love. A God who loves us so deeply, who is continually pursuing us. We thank you, God, for your amazing love today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.